I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is produced on Gadigal land. massive part of it for me was realising that not only we didn't really talk about disability in agriculture but also for us 20 years ago there was no one in the industry that we could go to to ask you know how do we even stay on farm. You're listening to Short Black with me Sandra Sully. Good women, great chat. It's a very warm welcome to Short Black this morning, Josie Clark, who is currently doing a PhD at Sydney Uni on gene editing. Now, what I love about Josie is she comes from a farm near Kempsey, a cattle farm, and um, her dad became a paraplegic when you were about five years of age. You're passionate about the agribusiness, but also the disability opportunities or lack thereof for, well, across the rural sector. So, I want to go back to when you were five and when that happened to your dad and your family and how did that affect you and what are your memories of that time? Yeah, absolutely. I think my dad says it really well. It's when you've got a few farms and four pesky kids and a mortgage, your health is the last thing that you think about. And so, yeah, when I was five years old, our family's life changed dramatically. My dad had a truck accident that resulted in him becoming a paraplegic. And for, especially coming from a rural community, it's a, it's a massive life change. You know, when you do your five or 10 year business plan, you're not thinking about what could go wrong necessarily. Yeah, it was a few years of living with aunties and uncles while mum was going back and forth to see dad in, in Sydney and then adjusting, coming back to the farm and, and learning, you know, how do we actually even stay in agriculture? Should we sell the farm? How did you stay in the game? Because I I presume your mum and your siblings all had to put shoulder to the wheel and help out. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all grew up fairly quickly, me and my siblings, and took on a lot of of roles and responsibility as young kids. Um, Mum was one of the first ladies in our area to get her truck licence, so we could still take the cattle to the sale yards. Yeah, mum's a pretty big inspiration for me, and I think as well coming with all those, you know, 20 odd years ago, it was still that farmer's wife kind of attitude, I guess. And it was, you know, what are you doing on farm? You, you know, your husband has become paraplegic. What are you doing trying to stay in agriculture? And, and I guess all of those things and challenges for us to really navigate. And yeah, it was for us, especially with dad, is, you know, you might not be able to do the same things that we once did, but what we can do. And, you know, we definitely had to look at how we could change our production and make it a bit easier and manageable. So it went from, you know, cows and calves and breeders, which, which might be a, a whole fun aspect for, for listeners to comprehend. But yeah, going from cows and calves and, and doing all that, um, it's obviously very expensive with vet bills. And then just going to wieners and steers. But, you know, you had to, you had to keep the farm going. 
and you had to watch your mum support your dad and your dad redefine who he is, what he was about, you know, recalibrate his goals, his dreams, his everyday life. You all had to adjust. And then you had a mum who said, well, I'm not walking away, not from your dad, but from the farm. Yeah. She decided she wanted to take it on. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's really important to highlight that it wasn't without challenges and mm. that, especially in, in agriculture and rural and regional areas, is that the attitude that we might think is, you know, get on with the job. But I think it's it's really important to talk about that. You know, it wasn't easy and it wasn't, yes, if your partner or you yourself, you know, might have a farming accident or an accident and try and stay in agriculture, that it's not an easy road and that what support can you get to and, and reach out for? And I think that was a massive part of it for me was realising that not only we didn't really talk about disability in agriculture, but also for us 20 years ago, there was no one in the industry that we could go to to ask, you know, how do we even stay on farm? Well, what I love is that you've turned what was a massive setback for your family, um, not only into a positive because you've still got the farm and your family's still tight, but you're really about educating the broader agricultural community about the opportunities or lack thereof for those with disabilities. And that's a big part of what you champion these days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I started Ability Agriculture, I guess, to challenge those misconceptions. And in a sense as well, for me is that I know that there's so many incredible people working in our industry with disability, but we just don't even talk about it. So, you know, it's me being in a field day talking about my crazy gene editing to farmers and then, you know, also in the back of my mind is thinking, you know what, this field's pretty wet or would someone with a wheelchair like my dad be able to get out here and listen and learn as I'm talking and and all those things. So, yeah, it was just, I guess, for us, you know, sharing that and showing that you're not alone, especially in rural and regional areas, is that it can be quite isolating and, and figuring out where to start and who is there that you can reach out to. So Ability Agriculture, is it all just an awareness program or is it about creating better pathways for those that suffer some sort of disability or setback and need a hand? It's definitely both. So one aspect of it is awareness and support, but also creating that opportunities. I think for me is every single Ability Agriculture story is showing that you can work in agriculture and it might not be everyone does a task differently right is Mm -hmm. that but it'll still get done and I think for me is that showing that it's not just someone in agriculture is working there with disability because they know someone already for me is that there is so many opportunities to work in agriculture and it's not this workforce that is defined by physical work either it's not just you know working in a paddock it's me in, in a research lab it's the agribusiness person who comes out to to meet you or works in the office you know there's so many different opportunities in agriculture that we can work in and I think it's so important to have that conversation and show the transparency of people with disability can work in this industry and are working in this industry. Well you're tapping into a whole new workforce really aren't you? Yeah exactly it's like one in five people in Australia have a disability so that's 20% of the population right and Mm. then you think about rural and regional areas and and the main enterprises for working is majority agricultural businesses and so For me, it's about bridging that connection and when you know that for someone with a disability in a rural area, it takes two and a half times longer than someone with a disability in an urban area to find employment. We have to say, well, what are are we doing for rural regional areas and for people with disability in those areas? And I think, you know, it's sometimes feel like we definitely get left behind (laughs) with a lot of things and initiatives. And I think, you know, for me, it's 
it's about bridging that pathway and, and showing that connection. And, you know, it's not just about employing people with disability in agriculture. It's that they're agribusiness owners with disability. There are CEOs with disability and they're in our industry and it's inclusion and diversity and all those things. Well, clearly you've been received well and you're getting a great reaction. It's been really, I guess, heart warming if that's the word for it of course it is yeah I feel every time I've I've actually just come back from South Australia and spoke to a a few growers down in Lucendale and it is every time you know we talk about this conversation it is the people coming up after and saying you know what actually my partner had a farming accident or my partner or my child has a disability and we're in agriculture and just having that community connection that we just didn't previously have we just didn't talk about in agriculture at all so I think that organic connection with people and, and having that support growing has been really, yeah, really nice. And I actually did a scholarship for a young couple, Sean and Sarah. They're from Texas in Queensland. And Sean's a, a cane and soybean and cattle farmer up there. And he had a farming accident a few years ago. And yeah, just getting to, to chat with him down at a VOCAG, which is an ag tech conference, was that for him he's like if this group existed a couple years ago just knowing that I'm not alone kind of thing and and not isolated. So you're a recipient of the Vincent Fairfax Family Foundation Back in the Future grant. What does that mean? What did you do with it or what are you going to do with it? Yeah so I applied for the program with an idea for a careers site for agriculture to facilitate pathways into agriculture and just basically open up the transparency of the accessibility in roles and it might seem well how why did you think about that but I did a story on a lady called Noella she's from a town called Strathalban in South Australia she's worked with horses her whole life and her family's in agriculture and she's always wanted to go up north and work on a cattle station every young person in agriculture wants to go up north and work on a cattle station but for her it was reading a job advertisement and thinking there's no way that they would entertain a conversation of, of employing me because I have a disability. And I think that's one thing, especially in agriculture, we talk about workforce shortages all the time, but we don't talk about workforce culture and, and why is it that our industry can't get more people to work in it or all these different things. Just conversations that have never been had. Yeah. Like you've sparked this idea and all of a sudden it makes perfect sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you don't know how many people just don't even actually apply because of all of those past experiences of saying, well, you know what, I've been told no. Well, they expect no. Exactly. And so for me, the careers site, it's it's not just about full-time work, online work or seasonal work. It's also about work experience and internships. And, you know, for someone with a disability who's never even thought they could work in agriculture, here's a platform where you can go do work experience, go work in the industry kind of thing. And it's, yeah, it's about building into the software, the, the, accessibility of the role so if it's machinery operation yeah I can operate machinery and you can match with those roles it's about facilitating that in that sense. Where are you at what have you achieved so far with this grant or is it early days? Yeah so I've, I've got software engineers which is a thing I probably wouldn't have thought I'd say in my, my <laughs> lifetime that I've got software engineers but yeah I've got software engineers actually building the platform right now which is is really exciting. It's been a really great response talking to you know agribusinesses where for them it's you know we want people with disability to work and feel the same value that we all feel getting to work on the land is that so many agribusinesses just you know we want to do this it's just how the platform is to facilitate the how basically 
So Ability Agriculture is a website-based centre where people can connect, reach out. Yeah, so we're an online platform. So we just have a, an Instagram and a Facebook community group where you can log in and, and read other people's stories that they've posted and, yeah, share a little bit about yourself. So I'll get people sharing, you know, I'm a, a bee farmer, which is not the right word for a bee farmer, apricot. <laughs> Yeah, um, Jerry, he's actually just outside of Sydney and, and he had an accident and yeah, he's a, showing all his beehives and what he's doing and getting around on farm and converting a golf buggy so he can get around on farm still and yeah, I just it's really great. I, I like to say that farmers are quite innovative and finding solutions so yes, you can still get around on farm and a low cost of kind of adaptations in a sense. And the response, I guess, isn't just from the local community. What sort of response have you had from, say, government level? Um, It's been an interesting space to navigate the government level. I think the thing with that whole space is to keep trying and keep pushing and asking. I think that's the thing, you know, you can have all these numbers and say when you're employing people with disability or making rural and regional communities more inclusive in, in all of its different aspects is that you have more sustainable communities, you have more sustainable businesses and and all these things and and sometimes is that that's not good enough or that might not be on the radar for some people especially in rural regional areas so something that I'm definitely not going to give up on but I think it's a conversation worth having and, and a conversation that needs to you know keep on having and just looking at grants for businesses in agriculture and what is farm accessibility and and whether those grants would be able to fund farm accessibility and and all these different things as an entire kettle of fish to navigate. Well, you, you mentioned before about a scholarship that you've started. How's it funded and what's the process? It's called the Access Scholarship. It's funded through me. I've just been doing speaking engagements and, you know, any form of income from that I put towards the Access Scholarship. So for me, it was about helping people be in the room. Like I said, you know, you go to a field day and it might not be accessible, but for me, it's about having more people with disability in the room, especially in agricultural conferences and spaces. And for them to be able to not just listen and learn and take things back to the farm and ask, you know, how can I make my business more accessible? But also for them to be able to have their voices heard and have that representation as well, I think. Yeah, diversity and inclusion on paper and having something on your website and these little things, but it's, it's so much more than gender equality, especially in, in agriculture. And I think for me, it's doing something about it and facilitating that. And so, yeah, I wanted more people in the room. So, Yeah, well, it says everything about what your family went through and how much it means to you that your studies are in a slightly specific area, not necessarily ability agriculture, but you're staying with the ag business, your family have kept the farm. But what you went through has clearly resonated at a profound level for you that you want to make a change for the better. Yeah, definitely. I think for me, it's, you know, if another family that's in a rural area can find that connection. And for me, if it's, you know, someone else's daughter that they have this connection to this group and I think that's the thing it's there's just so much opportunity and one in five people deserve to see themselves and feel welcomed in agriculture and I think if that's part of what ability agriculture can help achieve especially with others then that's a pretty cool thing. Is there still a stigma attached around people with disabilities in the ag industry do you think? It's more just interesting in a sense that I think there might be that broader misconception that someone with a disability is only in agriculture or only in farming because they're already in it or they know someone 
right? Which 100% for, for our family, if dad had his accident and we weren't in farming or had a farm, we probably wouldn't have gotten into it. And that's because there was no clear avenue or pathway into, you know, how do I get into agriculture with a disability? Mm. And that still is the case today, really. But for me, on the other side of that is that I've done and met so many young people with disabilities. And it's not just about physical disability, it's about invisible disabilities and that whole thing as well. Yeah, there's so many young people who are so keen to get into agriculture and they have no connection to agriculture. They're working in agriculture and yes, they have a disability. So I think it's about challenging that and I think as well showing the practicality of what farm accessibility is. So it's, you know, me showing a video of dad getting in his gator and opening a gate and rounding the cows up to some people in ag who might think, oh, well, that's all well and good, but how do we actually do that? Or how do we employ someone with disability and all those things? So it's about, I don't know how to describe it, but like, when someone says, oh, you must be really proud of your dad, it, I always say it's not because he's in a wheelchair, though. It's because dad is dad to me and it's normal and, yeah, he's in a wheelchair, but that doesn't make a difference to who he is or the, the capability that he has a, as a person. So your dad's name is Glenn, right? Does he, does he work with you on Ability Ag and, you know, mentor some of the people that reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Dad's actually one of my board members. <laughs> Rightly so, I yeah. would have thought. Go Glenn. But yeah, Dad's, he's awesome. So he actually, there was a young bloke back home who actually had a surfing accident and ended up in the same hospital that he was in in Sydney um, just a couple months ago. And yeah, Dad travelled down to Sydney to just say hello to the family and, and let him know, here's the resources that you can get. And this is what we did. And in the first 12 months, this is who you need to get onto to help convert the bathroom in your house so your son can get home. And he's not having to live somewhere else and, and all these things. So, yeah, Dad's a, a silent achiever, if that makes sense. He's very humble and, yeah, he, he's really lovely and, yeah, he meets that many blokes even going. He does mountain bike riding as his, he's got a mountain bike. And a skier. Yeah. So yeah. nothing's held him back. No, he's, he took me mountain bike riding when I came home from uni one day and I was like, oh, gosh, I'm bloody unfit. He's <laughs> taking off, going down the next track. I'm like, hold on, Dad, give me a minute. This is an adapted <laughs> bike, I'm presuming. Yeah, yeah, so it's got a battery on it. I'm like, oh, Dad, you're bloody cheating. But, it's, <laughs> yeah, he still does that. It's like a hand cycle and he can kind of sit in it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he loves it. He, he um, goes to everywhere. He was down in Canberra and then Tamworth another weekend. Yeah, he, he loves it and gets to meet so many people. And he even goes to... The, there's a few little rural areas that are making some of their tracks more accessible. So he'll go ride them for them and tell them where they need to dig a bit wider and all those things. So yeah, he loves it. What's your mum's name? Tanya. Tanya. Yeah. You must be incredibly proud of her. When you look back at what happened to your dad, I mean, something significant happened to your mum. Yeah. Do you remember those times and what it taught you about life's randomness? Yeah, mum's a really bloody strong woman. I'm, I feel like I can't talk highly enough about mum and hopefully I won't cry talking about mum. But just the resilience, I think, is, is something that mum taught me. And I think another thing that for us is that, you know, we might not have been in the best position financially and all these things, but we always still helped other families. So, yeah, mum's, mum's a special lady for me. Sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm emotional with you because I, I'm patron of Spinal Cure Australia. I don't know if you knew that. So I have an enormous empathy for those that have gone through what your family have gone through. And I always say to people, you know, we're all one or two missteps from a serious challenge in life, be it physical or psychological, mental, whatever it may be. And when someone suffers some spinal cord injury, it affects the family as much as it does the person who's experienced the injury. It's profound and it's life-changing and it's lifelong for everyone attached to that family. 
but to see your mum step up, and I, I appreciate how emotional you are, but it says everything about how proud you are to be her daughter and what they must think of you and what you've decided to do with Ability Agriculture. I mean, it's largely an unknown resource that you've created out of nothing because you saw a gap in the market and said, you know, we need to provide a support service. When it all happened for you and your family, regional and rural Australia are known for their banding together, helping mates out, that kinship of the community. Do you remember your township, your local community rallying around you and, and how significant that was at the time? Yeah, absolutely. I just think like the amount of people that would come help out without expecting anything in return. Yeah, I just even the, you know, you look at the recent bushfires and everything, it's just, it's that, I guess, rural and regional spirit to say in that, that sense is that, you know, you're always helping someone out. And like I said, I think we do have that attitude of, of getting on with the job, but it's that ability to for us, it was, you know, a few young blokes coming around and helping out with the cattle if we had to get them in and do drenching and, and you know, all those things. So, and just for me, like, for instance, for all regional Australia, just going to Woolies and, and knowing the person who's serving you and knowing their daughter or knowing their grandma and, and that whole connection is that everyone cares about what's happening and, and how can they help kind of thing. And like I said, they don't ask for anything in return and it's, it's just something special about growing up in a rural area. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. For those that can't visualize what Ability Agriculture is, it's an interactive online platform for individuals, family members, and the agribusinesses to share their employment experiences, adaptations or supports that have enabled people with disabilities to keep working in the sector and to voice the changes they want to see to make agriculture a more inclusive place. Now, one of your last posts reached up to 375,000 viewers. So clearly, it's a voice that needs to be heard and it is being heard. It is resonating. What does that say to you when you see those sorts of figures of people tuning in, logging in to find out you know, who they can help what do they need, how they can get support? Absolutely. I think for me, it's, I guess the other side of that is, you know, how do we create change from that and that starting that conversation and, and normalising that, you know, people with disability can see themselves in agriculture. I think that's 375,000 people. If 20% of those people with disability can now see that, you know what, hey, actually I can go work in agriculture and do those things. I think that's an incredible impact. What are some of the most immediate needs? I think in this space is, is just enterprise training for smaller enterprises in, in agriculture. It's not a big corporate. You have a majority, especially in rural regional areas, really small enterprises. And, you know, for me, it's, it's not that you have this robot in your, 
emails telling you how's your mental health or you don't have a diversity inclusion officer like a large corporate does and it's about making just low cost and accessible resources for people who say you know what actually I do want to try and employ someone with disability in my enterprise or how do I actually even start with looking at what even accessibility is it's about just having that base level resource for people to be able to then go off and do those things I think it's it's a space that's entirely missing especially in agriculture and for farming enterprises is that you don't have this resource to go actually I'd like to learn about what is autism or how do I communicate with people with disabilities. You know what you're really doing is connecting the disconnected and the agriculture the regional and rural sector in principle is a disconnected workforce out on their own relying on the internet to stay connected. And then I think about COVID the last two years and has it made it easier really for people to accept that the online place is the meeting place? I wonder if it's helped. So in a sense that yes, it definitely has helped, but then there's this whole other thing is that a lot of regional areas are disconnected just because they don't have proper access to bloody internet. Oh. So it's like, you know, you, you think about how can you replace that when there's not even the proper resources around being able to jump on a Zoom because it drops out. Don't know how many programs or meetings I've done with people on farms and it just drops out. We don't want to mention the MBN, but <laughs> so that's one of your ongoing real frustrations. It's just not getting the connectivity you need for the people that are desperate for help. Well, I think another aspect of it as well is is just not everyone uses Facebook or Instagram or can use the internet, right? And mm-hmm. for me it is about getting out on the ground and, and connecting with people that aren't using those platforms as well. It's, it's a, a massive game changer, but is that sometimes you can't replace getting out in person and saying hello in that whole different landscape of interaction. And I think that's something a lot of rural and regional people have missed. You know, you go to the pub and you learn about what you should be, you know, adding in fertilizer to your field from your mate at the pub, not what you go and Google on the internet sometimes. So clearly the word's getting out because you know you're getting this recognition and that's because there's a need that's being met by you and the wonderful person you are because this isn't your day job it's just what you do on the side you're you're studying a PhD at the moment tell us about that yeah so I do my I work in agriculture do you yes <laughs> yeah so I do gene editing in, in cereal crops and and yeah looking at increasing nitrogen use efficiency in the plant and then chloride tolerance so yeah I'm a I love research but as in I, I love seeing you know where it's going to end up in the paddock at the end of the day whether it's saving a farmer from putting on an extra few hundred kilos of, of ammonium nitrate fertilizer and, and all those things or if it's you know being able to develop a disease resistant crop so people in Africa don't have their corn wiped out by a disease you know it's it's those types of of impacts that I really enjoy in research and knowing that I can be part of that solution going into the future. So doing your PhD do you live in the city? Yeah I live just outside of Sydney so in Camden there and Mm -hmm. sometimes travel into main campus which is has its perks and coffee sometimes. Did it really make you realise how much city folk take it all for granted? Well, I think for me, it's not until you go to a rural area and experience that you can actually put it into perspective. Like I was at a field day in Lucendale, which is only four hours out of Adelaide, and they had a petition to just try and get cancer treatment to a closer regional area because all of those people, it's either Adelaide or Melbourne, or if you're kind of in this weird border part in the middle of nowhere, Darwin's actually closer. 
And that's the thing for me is that you learn in PDHPE and you like year nine, oh, preventative health is better than going and get like treatment. It's more expensive. But when you're in a rural and regional area and you have to travel 400 k's to see a doctor, you're not going until something's really wrong, right? So it's just a whole entire space. It's just the more that you chat and meet to people and especially around women's health is you realise how little access there is to resources once you leave that city area. Like for me, it was so weird coming here for uni, right? And I could get a doctor's appointment tomorrow. I was like, oh, I won't be able to get in for a month or like two months because that's what happens at home. Like I'd go home for the holidays and like, oh, I need to go to a doctor. And I'm like, no, sorry, you don't have anything available until I'd go back to Sydney. It's like, oh, it's fine. I'll wait to go back to Sydney because I'll get in tomorrow. It was such a different experience coming and living in a city area when you've come from a rural area. Do you think you'll always be connected to the land because of mum and dad or do you think you'd like to see yourself go back there one day? I definitely see myself being back on the farm one day. I, I do like the city but not that much sometimes. Yeah, I definitely see myself as a, as a country girl and would love to have, you know, a few cattle or a few crops one day. I really enjoy it. It's somewhere I see myself definitely in the future being back out there. And in terms of ability agriculture, you wouldn't have started it if you didn't have big dreams. What are your great goals? Well, to do a charity launch actually this year, which will be really exciting. And yeah, for me, it's about having that ongoing and sustainable support for people with disability in, in agriculture. And, you know, it's more than just awareness and support. It is creating development opportunities and, and all these different things. So I guess having that ongoing support but also for me is is changing the way that people with disability might be seen in the industry like right now versus next year and the year after and, and all those things so I guess for me it's, it's that ongoing impact and and support that we can have. I'm wondering what it meant to you and your family when someone like Dylan Orcutt was made Australian of the Year. It's just incredible it means a lot and I think that's the thing the flow and effects from that and the progress and it's incredible the, the work that Dylan has done and the people around Dylan has done. It's that symbolism. You, you can't be what you can't see, can you? Exactly, 100%. And I think there's no one particularly in rural and regional Australia or in agriculture showing that for people with disability. And I think that for me, ability agriculture is, you know what, hey, we're out here too. And, you know, it's, it's a whole different, I don't know, whole lot of opportunity for rural and regional Australia for people with disabilities that we need to talk about. Has it helped you open some doors, do you think? It's definitely, I think, for agriculture, gotten them to actually be like, oh, well, actually, let's talk about it and let's do these things. So for me, it's definitely been the right time for ability agriculture in that sense, in that the ag industry has been really open about, actually, we have a lot of work to do. But for me, it's a great step for us to just be talking about it in the first place. And when you say you want to launch a charity, do you mean you want to get charitable status for ability agriculture? Yeah, so it's currently in the accountant's office so <laughs> the next month. It does take, yeah, what, 21 days. I don't know, I've been, I've been asking every day, has it gone through? So, yeah, definitely, yeah, being Ability Agriculture, being a foundation and, and having that ongoing support. And for me, it's any fundraising that we do can go back towards supporting rural people and families. Like the scholarship you've already set yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, really you funding someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I look at you in awe. That is such a generous, wonderful, beautiful thing to do, the way you give back. Yeah, thank you. It must be so rewarding. 
It is, it is. And then I turn around and be like, there's so much more work we've got to do. <laughs> I think that's, what is it? Ask a busy woman to do something and she'll do it for you straight away and all those yeah. things. No, I think, got no time to wait. No, yeah, for me, it's just so nice to be able to connect with other people and, and have that support there that, you know, maybe 20 years ago, my family could have really used. And yeah, I think that's, like I said, there's, there's so many other things that I'd love to do as well. So it's, um, yeah, getting back to it and getting everything going. Well, Josie Clark, you are an inspiration and on behalf of everyone with spinal cord injury and and the rest of Australia, really, where do they find Ability Agriculture? Abilityagriculture.com. I kept it nice and simple. Thank you. So as I said, you are an inspiration. Congratulations. And uh, we look forward to watching your career trajectory just take off. I know you're going to continue on with a PhD, but um, this sort of work is just remarkable. And I know that your parents must be so incredibly proud. We are thrilled to have spent some time with you here at Chalk Black. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Short Black, a Network 10 podcast. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, subscribe in your favourite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.